The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. It's been a long old break since we last did When Saturday Comes, but to be honest, the film cast has been busier than a Japanese prisoner of war. But we're back now, and with the return of Dirty Leeds to the Premier League, we thought it was about the right time to look at one of my personal favourite films, The Damned United. And while I probably could talk about this on my own for an hour, I do have other people with me. I've also got with me Matthew Guy. Hello, how are we doing? I've got Stuart Hall. Hello, everyone. And I've got Richard Hobbs. Hello, cage fighters. Oh, <laughs> I know. I've been waiting. I know. I know. This is this is not a cage fighters production, but I feel like I, I feel like I'm always sort of stepping into it a little bit. So in the in the inner sanctum. In yeah, I'd be scared to be in any sanctum that you've got. <laughs> 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 so just to warm ourselves up gentlemen i thought we'd have a quick quick question just to get the brain ticking over and thinking about films if they were to make a film about wolverhampton wanderers which era of the club do you think would make the best movie Stu, do you want to uh, start us off the um the year of soul and saunders just for it and turn it into a kind of uh ted lasso type nonsense comedy <laughs> It's you could you could go the serious route, but I think that would get the more wide appeal of just seeing a, a club just completely fall apart for no apparent reason whatsoever. Yeah, employing people who are completely out of their depth and now have no clue what they're doing. So oh, that's, that's a good I think idea. That's the easy answer for me. Yeah, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, similar kind of lines, but I'd like to spit it more bit of a kind of a rise and fall. So I'd like to see us uh, under McCarthy's premiere, but then the decline. Um, and obviously they they do um, they do it in a, in a comedic way almost towards the end. But you know you'd have your heartbreak, you'd have your comedy. Um, I like the rise and fall of ECW, except for Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> and Rich, which See, area are you going for? I was thinking differently, um, and I'm thinking more biopic. So uh, again, so if you guys have sort of hit on about having sort of that rise and fall, but you need it to kind of rise back up again, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'd potentially be looking at sort of the Jack Hayward era. So you almost start mm. at the almost the Batty Brothers point of where the club sort of derelict. Kind of you start with him just sunning it up in um, uh, Barbados, and mm-hmm. then sort of him coming back, building the club up, and then it all, it probably ending with getting to the Premier League and stopping there, and sort of almost like you know um, I guess almost like 
the Irishman, if you know what I mean, where, you know, where it's sort of almost, it's over Spoilers. a period of time and he just ends up ageing and ageing. Who hasn't seen The Irishman? I mean, it's like three days long, but <laughs> um, yeah, so that would be sort of where my head's at if you go go for sort of a bit more of a serious one. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think I think Dean Saunders in in over his head. I would say the Stolbacken thing, but there's some worrying parallels to the Damned United in a way, <laughs> um, which I think we'll come come on to. Yes. But who would who would play Sir Jack though? That's the main thing. Oh, I think I'd probably go for someone like um, Sir Ian McKellen. I was going to say so. Yeah, someone with a bit of nobility. Yeah, or, or maybe oh. Patrick Stewart. Or a- any of anyone from X Men, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Get a huge X Men in there, fuck it. <laughs> you know how the film would have to end, though, don't you? After a post scene credit, just a scout's voice going, ten pounds, you say? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it would be at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, as you may recall, the aim of the football film cast is to rank all of the football films ever made, giving scores out of five based upon the five pillars of what we think makes a good footballing movie. That'll be the cultural impact, the football authenticity, footballing stars, the bits around the football, so the film itself, and your overall enjoyment of the movie. So, March 2009, The Damn United was released, over 11 years ago now. That was the year that Avatar was released, breaking box office yes. records, and it became the highest grossing film of all time up until 2019 with Avengers Endgame. In the political world, we saw the expenses scandal hit. Honestly, Google MP expenses scandal 2009. Like the Wikipedia page is fucking mental on that story. It's great. In sports, Pakistan won the Cricket World Cup and Man United failed to repeat history. They won a domestic cup, the league, but lost 2-0 in the Champions League final to Barcelona. And closer to home, under the guidance of Magic Mick McCarthy, Wolverhampton Wanderers won the championship, returning to the Premier League. Where does the 0809 season rank for you guys? I mean, for me, it's probably second only to that, uh, obviously, the Nuno season when we won the league. I thought it was excellent. I mean, it was great when we won the playoffs, but to actually win the league, something I felt like I'd never see. Yeah, it, I was. I was going to say up until Nuno, that was the best season we'd ever had for me. Just because you, you get the whole thing with the McCarthy way of football, which is to some extent total bollocks, because we played some great football in that season. Mm. We just ripped ripped teams apart. You know, it was four four two wingers crossed into the box, but we did it well and we played really attractive football. And it was like you said, it was. That playoff season was more of a half of it was a hangover from the uh, the doom year the year before, so that was always kind of tainted apart from the, that last month. So yeah, f- probably the same for me that it is the set my second favorite season ever. Mm. Rich, what do you think? Yeah, I mean that that season almost felt like a culmination because it was, you know, the, the first season under McCarthy where we kind of inexplicably made the playoffs with a very young squad that was you know, thrown together at the last minute. And, you know, we found those kind of diamonds in the rough that second season where we kind of just missed out on the playoffs. And there was that sort of dipping away and then to really bounce back and, you know, cement that that kind of starting 11, you know, with uh, Ebanks Blake coming in the second half of the second season, sort of trying to push it through and not quite making it. And say, 
finishing where we did, you, you, you know, you, you can't quite argue with it. And you know, I, I'm, I've always kind of got annoyed at you know, oh, it's McCarthy football. It's like, well, he only really did that when we were in the Premier League, and I think personally, it's a, it's a, a Mick mindset mentality that. Mm. You know, the current regime don't have uh, it's not well we're a promoted team so we must be one of the three poorest teams and that's sort of the, how Mick kind of approached it um, kind of going into it which was a shame and then he never could quite reverse it from there so we're already you know fighting a you know a, a bottom five bottom six battle throughout his tenure so you know that that, that season you know where it was you know all guts and glory, four four two. You know, with a proper number nine getting him goals. It was it was perfect. Mm. Matt, anything to add to that? No, not not a lot really. Just of how you know exciting it was, and it that was the first season that I could really think back in that the city really felt alive with the buzz of of potential mm-hmm. Premier League football, and that was when I was old enough to be in bars. So we, you know. Get to kind of feel that buzz after a game as well as not as opposed to just go into the game. So the whole city just felt alive with it, and there's an expectation and excitement about what's to come. And that that was kind of the first real feeling of that for me, obviously in a long time. Mm. Hold on a minute, you weren't old enough to go into bars in 2003. Uh, 2003, 17 years ago. So now would have been 13. Oh, good God! I did go to bars. Yeah. But I, well, to go I was going to say, should I just keep quiet at this point? Then? No, yes, Rich. Yeah. I, was, I asked that question just to get the, that exact reaction out of Andy because I knew you can see the cogs ticking over. Yeah, fuckers. I'd have been 20. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the movie The Damned United, which sounds something like this. Oh, you are a disgrace for missing the target from there. You want plumbing shooting. Now get in there! That's what I pay you for! 170 grand for Colin Blooming Todd. Correction, the almighty Colin Todd, the best technical footballer in the country. And the salary is 300 quid a week. You can't pay a footballer that. That's the way things are going, Uncle Sam. Football's all about money now. I told you, never to go over my head again. I have no choice. Windows opened up. You were in the Blooming West Indies. Windows? You mean there are others? Messrs Gamow and Hennessy. So I think we should probably start with what I feel is the weakest area of this film and that would be the footballing stars. I know for me the only real footballing stars we get to see are the ones in the flashbacks. Matt do you want to start us off what what do you think about this this category? Yeah so because because I unconsciously want to rate this film highly um, I've had a bit of creative license with this and done footballing stars kind of more of a the amount of players that they put in yeah there's no actual it's not like goal as i mentioned earlier where we had uh, like alan shearer in the training and we have like actual cameos from players which is a shame um but you do get some like really good actors playing some genuine players and like stephen graham for example um you do get some ex-commentators in there barry davis uh is in there in the film itself um and yeah that's probably the only thing about this that is slightly disappointing is that we don't get the legitimacy that you get by having real footballers in there but i don't know if that becomes then a sticking point to the drama of the film 
is it what? is it jarring to actually have real footballers mm. who can't mm. act for the most part in what is actually quite a well acted film? I was going um, to say what I would say, and uh, sort of reflecting upon it, I, you know, I watched the film earlier and only kind of looked at almost the points afterwards and thought it it's not a film about a footballer in the same way goal is it's about a manager so mm. you almost don't need the um a, a, you know here is somebody playing football so to speak in the same way you do with goal i guess um and you know you, you're right you sort of brought up someone like Stephen graham who's a sort of notable football fan but also um as i say there, there was a tenuous line of duty link i found because obviously Stephen graham was in the last season but also martin Constant. um is in the Damned United as one of the uh, players who plays for Derby and then Leeds, um, who does quite a lot of the um, soccer aid stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. So I, I, again, I really wanted to rate this film highly, uh, similar to Matt. I, you know, I kind of gave them a couple of, you know, almost a markup on the fact they seem to have actors who liked football. Um, mm. I, I guess, and you know, yes. even Mark. Even Martin Sheen himself does the, the um, you know, d- does the charity football matches, and I'm sure anecdotally, um, the scene when I think he sort of chests it up and volleys it in, that was sort of almost like a one take, yeah. sort of off the cuff yeah. sort of thing, wasn't it? Mm. He's a really decent player as well in soccer aid and stuff. And Michael Sheen, not Martin Sheen. Just, just... I say Martin. <laughs> I saw <laughs> Martin Comston. <laughs> Everyone does it every single time whenever. We're... Whatever you talk about, anything that he's been in, he will automatically say. But yeah, he's he's actually really he's played left back a few times in them soccer things, and he's actually really decent. Mm-hmm. So that's that was the first thing that I thought of when that scene where he volleys. I thought, yeah, he can do this because I've seen him do it before. I was going to say, and like, there's something about um, you don't you don't get to see it with um, Martin Compton, um, but with Michael Sheen. There we go. <laughs> I know that there's something about like just the little clip where he hits a ball. That's someone who knows, how, like, that's someone who knows how to kick a football. If you know what I mean, it's not like yeah. um, with uh, Kuno Becker. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Kuno Becker. You know, like you could barely kick a football. Mm. Um, you know, it does make it that little bit more authentic. Um, that you can sort of drop that in. You know, of course, because it's set in the um, 60s and 70s, it's not like you're gonna have many actual players um yeah players in most it, are like dead and stuff now so it, <laughs> yeah. and it, it would be quite off-putting i think if you saw someone who was alive and then you remember oh his teammates now dead and then you're looking out for other players and yeah i think he probably it would have detracted from the story had there been ex-players i think the fact that it had ex-commentators in i thought that was quite a nice touch that it uh, it did round out the world somewhat mm-hmm but it didn't need the footballers. So I, th- I mean, I gave it a two out of five, which I felt was generous because it didn't have the players, but it did have the, the periphery of it, which I thought was nice. And it did, it lent it that um, legitimacy to it, I felt. Uh, so moving on to the football in authenticity, I think, as you've already alluded to, the fact that the people who were playing the players, you could tell that they've actually played football. So you could see that Sheen has played to a you know a semi decent standard. I've heard as well anecdotally that Stephen Graham he often plays in um, 
like local matches over his park with um, Scroobius Pip and the likes. They're all pals and they have their own little football team. So these are all people who they obviously love football. And when they go to the pitch, they don't disgrace themselves. As she said, you can tell that they know how to kick a football. It's not a case of just swinging your foot and trying to toe bunt it everywhere. Yeah, and even how the um, when you got the training, um, the training footage as well, how it's shot. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not a, a like um, a tracking cam on the ball, following it through people's legs. It's just, a, it's yeah. a, as as you'd expect, a, a camera on the side of the pitch. And yeah, like you said, everything from like the little details. People, everyone on this film knew what they were doing. Mm. Uh, you, you can see. In, I was going to say, in terms of um, the footballing authenticity, so I went on the Wikipedia page, which I guess some of us might have done, in terms of the historical accuracy. Oh, no, it's complete bollocks. <laughs> and, right, so, I mean, I've got sort of two points on it, and one, I guess, we'll kind of touch into later about the fictionalised version of the truth and whether some things matter. Um, you know, so, for example... Um, I've kind of pulled it up in front of me, da, 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 da. you know, in in terms of like the film shows Clough standing outside the entrance to uh, the baseball ground in uh, 1968. In reality, the latter was not designed until 1971 sort of thing. It's like just the logo sort of thing. And I, I can get over that. But what it did pull up was when uh, Billy Bremner suspended, but he's sitting next to Clough on the bench. Mm. And you you can't do that now, and you couldn't do it 40 no. years ago. And I don't... Personally, it doesn't take anything away from the film for me. But, you know, the, almost these little technicalities, um, you know, of the game. But I, I guess under maybe a different production company, those really minor little sins uh, mm. get, get replaced. Well, there's there's loads of them though. It's not just that. It's well, the games, like the the thing about players injured against Juventus that didn't happen. Um, yeah. But with well, I said with the um, Bohemian Rhapsody as well, when we talk about biopics and things like this, you just kind of take it as a film in itself, inspired by true events. Unless it says otherwise, unless it says this is a documentary yeah. of exactly what happens, then you just take it as a, a piece of fiction based on tru- some mm. truth. Yeah, and, and that's like- why. That's why I rated it highly for again for the first two categories because what it, it what it showed as a film is accurate as yeah. a piece of actual history. It gets mm. nothing because it's almost almost completely wrong. Yeah, parts. I mean, compared to the book, this is quite close to the book, yeah. rather than the book being close to real actual re- real events. I mean, it, do, it does describe it in the credits as um, based on the novel. Yeah. Damned United, and I mm. thought that was because obviously you know the, the the book came under a lot of criticism from the Clough family and some of the, but basically anyone involved took a swing <laughs> at it. I think, yeah, um, they did. And uh, again, I, I, yeah, I just see it as a fictionalized version of the truth. Parts of it romanticized Clough, uh, parts of it, you know, villainized Leeds United, and. You know, I think, I think, as Stu said, you just take it as a film at the end mm-hmm. of the day. It's there to be enjoyed. You know, you've got, you know, um, you've got your protagonist in Clough, who's a sort of a fairly flawed individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, you, you take, I, I'd like to think most people sort of take it 
some of it with a grain of salt at least. Mm. Matt, thinking about the footballing authenticity, not so much on the pitch. Think about when they're in the dressing room in the build-up to the to the big match, so to speak. How did you feel that came across? Did, did that feel authentic to you? Did that feel like you were actually well, what you know, a lot of this was you know on location, um, not potentially at the correct location, but it was it was at least <laughs> at the you know it wasn't just a, a set built out of nothing. Um, and I felt it was. I felt like it captured the time really well in terms of training. Um, like Stu said, the training ground. Um, the depiction of Ellen Road, the depiction like the the scene when they um are playing Leeds before they play Juve, I thought it shot so well. Mm. It's so um dark and it's so it's so close to the pitch that every tackle has, you know, water spraying up onto the screen and just a really excellent um shot um game that and I felt it felt authentic. Even listen, none of us even yourself, Andy, were around at this time. <laughs> so, you know, but to have those touches like having oranges and ashtrays, little things mm-hmm. like that, that's what we think of when we think of old football. We don't think of them as super athletes as, as we think of footballers today. And I feel like the dressing room, you know, I've been to the Bernabeu and it's obviously, it's definitely not that. It felt like how I would expect football to feel at that time before they were mega superstars. Um, so I think they did a really good job of that. I think I rated it four out of five on, in terms of football in authenticity. Um, the stuff around kind of the actual historical accuracy of putting to cultural impact um, because of yeah, some of Yeah, carry on into cultural impacts with, with well, now, so well, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's already been highlighted, but, you know, the, the Clough family themselves weren't very keen on the film being made full stop. Players themselves um, have sued not only the novel, but the film itself, uh, David Mackay, for his um, portrayal as kind of the one to oust Clough out of Derby once, Darby, uh, once Clough had uh, resigned or, or, or <laughs> well, tried to hand his resignation in to kind of get rid of the board, so to speak. But, um, you know, there's, there's other elements to it as well. One of the, the main one, the really disappointing one, is, you know, the main plot point exists around the fact that um, Don Revy shunned um, yes. Clough. And that didn't happen, or it, it, not that it didn't happen, but it wasn't that game wasn't played at the baseball ground. It was played at Ellen Road, so we get this we get this wonderful scene where he, he's going around, he's cleaning everything, he's being meticulous, he's scrubbing, he's putting wine out, he's he's putting it at the right angle, the glasses are perfect. And it's an amazing scene, but knowing that it didn't actually happen is really disappointing. It doesn't take anything away from the enjoyment of the film, but you've got to do what Stu says and take yourself out of that world and realise you're not watching a documentary here and you can't mm. think of this as an actual, um, as, as a piece of truth, which is unfortunate. Um, so, you know, by the fact that it's kind of littered with historical inaccuracies, um, I, I'd rated it kindly as a three out of five, but it probably deserves less. Mm. Uh, thinking of the cultural impacts, uh wider so not so much on the the people who were directly um involved or, or named in the film shall we say so the fans so do you think Stu? do you think there was much of an impact on how people view football now do you think maybe football fans look at that period of time differently how do you think it's impacted things on a wider scale i mean when we've talked about this before with others everyone younger than us thinks of goal as football films 
not many people say the damn United, do they? And this is what I was trying to kind of thinking of. And when, because this was on over lockdown as well, and I rang my dad, and he'd, he's 64 ish. He'd never even seen it or heard of it. And I mean, he's not a film fan anyway, but mm. still, he's Man United season ticket old for years on end. He, know, he knows the story, and he, was, he grew up and lived through that whole era and didn't even know about it. And it was, I mean, now, because of Mar- Martin slash Michael Sheen being so great in everything, everyone knows what, what the film is because he's spot-on impression of Brian Clough. But I don't think it's had much of an impact, really, because it's just, it's about him and there's too much controversy around it to give it any kind of mm. kudos, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, But... I think from a football fans' point of view, you just it just makes Leeds look even dirtier than they were. Yeah, uh, which which is always a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I, what did I put? I think I scored it with three as well because it's. It obviously has some. There's some facets to it that are memorable to people who've seen it, but it's mm-hmm. not one of them that jumps out at you. And it does. It's too much of a truth bender to be one. Of, oh, you have to see this. It's. It's historically accurate and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's more of a, a sport film than a football film than anything mm. else. And if you take it, take it like that, like we, we'll come to later as the film itself, but if you take it as a sport film about something that happened in the 70s, mm. it's wonderful. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's had a lasting impact afterwards, well, at least 13 years later than it mm. would have done with others. That It doesn't have quite the same resonance, the name. And... For me, it feels like this was when football films tried to grow up. Um, but I think when you look at the majority of sports films in general, they do sort of pitch themselves at probably a level below something like this. Uh, but Stu just touched on, obviously, the legacy that came out of it with Michael Sheen. So, Rich, obviously, this was his big breakout in film, I believe. I think he may have had a few smaller roles before, if I remember correctly, but... He's had quite a, an impact on on culture, hasn't he? When you think Twilight and what have you afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I think sort of prior to The Damned United, he'd almost made his name as a character actor before this. That's that that was the thing about it that it was a breakthrough role for him because he'd already been Tony Blair, mm-hmm. and he was already and you know he'd already been Kenneth Williams. So this was almost and. Ross Nixon, I think, technically came out before Damned United. It was around the same time. So, you know, he kind of already built up. And then, you know, for him to sort of do this kind of iconic sports film, almost like, in a way, a a bit of a passion project, I guess, uh, you know, really kind of stepped it up for him. But I think you talk about the, the lead actor, I'd go for director more than anyone else, though. You know, Tom Hooper, uh, you know, sort of it kind of touched on because I remember hearing the name and then he went on to direct um, King's Speech. Mm -hmm. He went to do Le Mis and he did The Danish Girl as well. So, you know, when you throw in Damned United, it almost feels a bit odd. But, you know, one of the things that stood out to me watching the King's Speech is how is some is some of the shots of it. And, you know, the very kind of almost horizontal and how they have things framed in different ways. Mm. Bang on the same in this film, though. You say, um, Matt talks about the glasses and, you know, how 
Um, but there's a certain shot of, I think, a score coming up. And, you know, it's perfectly sitting, you know, in between sort of two objects. And you compare that to some of the ways how they have it in King. He's done it in the King's speech. And, you know, from that point of view, he's someone whose career has really kind of pushed on and on and on. And Michael Sheen, you know, he's kind of just consistently proven over the last, you know, 15 years almost, hasn't it? You know, he did the um, um, Prime Show Good Omens. Anyone yes. seen that with David yeah, Tennant very as well, good. where you know he gets to play a very fun character in that, and you know it's completely different as well. Um, you know, I think you know what the boys said about it being a cultural impact. I think I think it's um, you know I don't think it does much in terms of like enhancing the cultural impact of Clough. I think it just almost solidifies what I guess a lot of fans think of Leeds more than anything else. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's. It's kind of quite difficult in a way because I think I say it's kind of focusing around a manager, and you don't almost get to see him do a lot of managing in, mm. in a way because of the type of, I guess, coach or manager he was. He wasn't a um, necessarily master tactician, you know, in terms of revolutionising the way people play. Mm. He, you know, he had Peter Taylor there as his eyes and his ears and to find the players and to kind of do the tweaks. And it was just his job to sort of motivate and empower the players. So things like that's why it almost focused very much on dressing room because it allowed for monologues. It allowed for speeches. Um, I, I found that quite interesting, but you say I kind of, it, the, the, the true cultural impact seems to have kind of dwindled because it's almost not iconic in the same way, almost from a, it's like it's not quite serious enough to um, be ridiculously crit- critically acclaimed, and it's not camp enough or silly enough like gold, mm. or uh, you know, to be you know something you just go back to. But it's still in you know a, a really well crafted film. Yeah, I mean, the BBC went through a period of time of making these films that would be big budget for the BBC, but obviously no budget for a proper film. And they were all very good, sort of like uh, looking for Eric and that sort of level yeah. of film. But none of them have had that that lasting impact, I think. And this falls into that camp for me. I've still given it a four because, like we've already said, we, we want this film to succeed. So <laughs> it, it's probably a three, really. But I, I've given it, I have given it a four purely for that reason. Uh, so we'll have a quick break there, and then we'll we'll come back and uh, round it off. Right, before we carry on, it's the halfway point of the podcast, and you know what that means. It's the best bit of the podcast. You get to find out about bloody good websites. Our website's a bloody good website, and I know you love a bloody good website as well, and our website is done by our friends at pixelyetimedia.com. It's even better than that Space Jam website, which it's still online. Go online, go on Google, type it in. The original website from that film is still there in all its glory, and our website is is even better than that. And it's done by our friends at pixelyettimedia.com. If you're looking for a new website for your business, go check them out. And they're not just web designers either. They're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites to brochures, signage and marketing, branding and more. So why don't you go check them out at pixelyettimedia.com. 
Hello and welcome back. Um, gents, have we got any other business, any trivia or any points you wanted to make that we haven't been able to touch on yet? There was one where, um, again, it's another goof. Answer me this. How long have you had that mattress? Because it's looking even lumpier than my lockdown love handles. And while those might be more cuddly, a lumpy mattress is doing nothing for your comfort levels or your sleep. So whatever body you're rocking, put it on a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in. That includes a Nectar mattress, mattress protector, cooling pillows, and sheet set, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com and get hugged. Where, which I spotted straight away, that hey, you could see the um, the stand at Ellen Road that was built in the 90s behind them, <laughs> and they, they, did, they didn't even try and blank it out. You think why why have you not done this? All all they had to do was just put him a few move the camera a few foot feet to the right and just have him next to a concrete wall and looking out into floodlights and that would have worked fine. <laughs> and you think well it's just that it was that point that took me completely out of it. I thought oh no fuck this film, but <laughs> it was it's just like like you said about the BBC being the BBC about things that it's a nice idea not done completely right. Mm. And it was just like little things that irritated me. But when I, so I knew I knew things weren't right about it anyway because of all the the stuff from the time. And it was a long time when I watched this film before um, lockdown. And so I I rated it before I looked things up on it. If I'd have done it the other way around, I think mm. it would have got a, a lot harsher score. So just for what I said, a bit taking it for what it is as a film. Yeah, and he's hammer hammer that point down that it's it's a film and nothing else. I think that's all you can do really is view it as a film. Like I think it was Matt who said earlier that you know it's not a piece of historical, um, it's, it's not verbatim of what actually happened. It's it's fictionalized history. I think that's the best you can do with it, really. And I have been to um, Saltergate as well, where it was filmed in Chesterfield once in mm. um at a Cup game, nil-nil. Extra, <laughs> extra time. Extra time, pissing down a rain. Jody Craddock missed the penalty. Lost. Um, it, it was so cold that night. And it was one of them weird half-seven kickoffs as well. And me and Goldie was in the was still in the pub at 20 past seven. And everyone just left. And I thought, well, where, where are they all going? And then you look at the ticket and he says half-seven. Um, so we legged it around the corner. And they, they actually opened up the side stand because it was a Carling, Worthington, whatever um, Carabao Cup game it was at the time and they'd opened the side stand up to Wolves fans for an extra pound but by the time we got there it was full so we had no choice but to stand on the terrace, open terracing in the pissing down rain oh. for, for two hours in October and it got to the stage where I think it was about 80 minutes in and it was just tops off and just put them over the crash barriers because it, it, it felt nice <laughs> to just get rained on the skin rather than being so through so that was a, that was a nice memory to uh, to have that came from me Oh, wonderful. So I had a look on IMDb. It got a 7.5 score. Decent. What I was quite surprised with, though, Rotten Tomatoes, 92%. Like, I knew it was going to be rated fresh, 92%. So I had a look at the 8% who gave it a bad review. So the first one was Matt Kellerman, who said, as foreign for an American audience as a story about Billy Martin at the Yankees would be in the UK. That, that's probably fair to be yeah. honest. I, I can't argue with that. 
Ed Koch from The Atlantic said it was boring and confusing. If you write for something as highbrow as The Atlantic and you think this is confusing, you probably <laughs> shouldn't be writing for The Atlantic, mate. Uh, there was someone, Patrick Nabarro. He said the actors playing the Leeds footballers look nothing like professional athletes. And I can't help but wonder if the film might have been better off paying for the archive footage. This is a film set in the 60s and 70s. And they did have archive footage and it matched yeah. up fine. I was yeah. going to say, and some of the actors, I think, are really well casted in. This. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we talk about, we talk about um, you know, dressing room scene and you've got Dave Mackay sipping a cup of tea. <laughs> and I completely get what he means. Like, if you if you don't quite understand how players used to be, then it, it looks it, quite alien. It it will look bizarre. Um, yeah. But on um, <laughs> on Patrick Navarro's uh, on his blog, the header it's a picture of Colin Farrell and Jamie Fox from um, Miami Vice. So make of his opinions what you will. <laughs> Even yeah. though I don't like that film. Fucking terrible. Uh, my favourite review, though, uh, this is a positive one from Simon Mirado. If soccer is a Shakespearean drama, then The Damned United is Richard III. I nice. thought that was a good one. So, oh, the best football film we've seen, hands down. It, it's the best football film and the best actual film that we've watched as part of this this series so far matt what are you saying yeah i mean quite comfortably to be fair for, for what i enjoyed of of goal when saturday comes i enjoyed it as more of a tongue-in-cheek laugh at its shitness as opposed to a laugh at it <laughs> as a as a, as you know laugh at yeah. it for as a committee one thing i'll just want it because i don't know where we'll fit it in otherwise and um, colm meany as um don revy I thought it was an excellent, excellent uh, casting and his performance was amazing at making somebody so unlikable without them actually really doing anything wrong. Mm. <laughs> He's just, the, he, cause you know, he had that to, for us to root for Clough for the whole film, they had to make him be the villain of the piece. But does he do anything that any other football manager wouldn't have done? Probably not, but you, it, him and the way that they filmed it and the way that, and his dialogue d- does it in a way that makes him just an insufferable shit, even though he doesn't really deserve it, yeah. maybe you, you could argue. Um, yeah. But in terms of, yes, in terms of um, the most enjoyable film so far, uh, 100%, I think it ties the... It pulls on the heartstrings enough that it gives the film some substance, mm. but it's it's clever enough and it's funny enough in its humour to keep you um, engaged. And, and it does what every good, whether you call it a biopic or not, it makes you want to know more. And that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And on that and, point... Uh, oh, sorry, Matt. No, 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 I'm finished, mate. Carry on. I was just going to say, on the point about Colmini, um, apparently the original, um, original actor they wanted was Kenneth Branagh. I, I love Kenneth Branagh. I think he's a fantastic actor, but I think Colmini is surly enough to to pull that role off. So I, I think they uh, they looked out by not getting their first choice there. Stu, yeah, your overall enjoyment? Are you recommending this film to others? Absolutely, I, I loved it. As as I 
Let's start that again. I thought it just it was only about an hour, an hour and ten minutes long because it just flew by. Mm, and I know, I know we were in lockdown and we didn't have much else to do, but it was it was one of them. I put it on again. Couldn't remember how long it was. I just put it on because it was on. B- it was actually on BBC One as well, wasn't it? Late at night. Yeah. Um, I just put it on, and then it was over. I thought, oh well, that was that was just brilliant. And it does. I might say it just it stands out so far against all the other shit that we've reviewed on this series. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost in a, a. I know it's score wise, it's not going to be that far ahead, but it's a class above everything else so far. So yeah, I loved it. And when you said about Kenneth Branagh, then Kenneth Branagh in Tenant, superb. I, I didn't know he was in it, and I'm not going to ask any more questions because spoilers. Yeah, Rich. Yeah, I mean, I, I seen back to when it first came out, and I, I, I've watched this film sort of by myself. I've watched it sort of with my mum. I've watched it with people who are kind of half aware, maybe not huge football fans, like you know, someone like my brother, but will appreciate a good film. Mm. And it works on that level. It works on the level that actually, if you do know a bit about football, you're going to enjoy it because you understand sort of the relevance of Clough, the relevance of Leeds at that point. Um, so, you know, it, it, in terms of it being, you know, say, it's a better film than the others. And I think it kind of, I mentioned it earlier, that it's a film about a manager and... You know, you know the, the, the difficulty with football films primarily is that if you focus on an individual footballer, there's mm. 10 other people on the team and it's hard to focus on them in the right manner a lot of the time. And unless you do sort of a big ensemble cast, which, you know, unless you're the MCU, you won't have five films. So, quietly, <laughs> you know, quietly bring through everyone together. So... You know, it, it makes perfect sense to do a film that focuses on a manager mm. in, in, in that way because, you know, it means you can have really strong supporting acts around him. And, you know, they could have done, in theory, you could have had a lot more focus on different players if you wanted to, about him nurturing them, about bringing on players like um, McGovern, um, you know, and developing him. But mm. they didn't need to because of what it was focused on. My, my only kind of not criticism in a way but you know the whole crux of the film and his drive is he thought uh you know um don Rowe didn't want to shake his hand and that that seemingly one opportunity fuel it, it was michael jordan-esque um, <laughs> but, and and you know the the, the scene well, i was going to say the second to last scene um where uh, of the tv interview after he's been sacked and he looks at the chain and goes, well, we're expecting someone else. And the the only thing that didn't quite sit right with me, I guess, is the, the lack of kind of closure, I guess, that he had. And he didn't always have that arc in a way, but he got sacked. But he didn't have an epiphany, really, mm. apart from I need to be with Peter Taylor. Yeah. And almost chasing back to a loved one. But that didn't kind of come from the interviews, you know what I mean? So it ended the interview him being like, well, you're a dick. Well, you're a dick too. I didn't realise I didn't shake your hand. But really, it's been eight years sort of thing. <laughs> um, and that 
from looking back at the book, it spends a lot more time talking about him almost as a player and going into management as well. Yeah. And you almost get little hints of it, obviously, you know, when he brags about his scoring record, about him being a striker. Um, but also, I'm sure when he was Hartlepool manager, you know, there was a point where he was driving the team bus. And <laughs> I find that a hilarious anyway that the manager's doing that. But almost like, you know, the fact that when they're about to play Leeds, he's the one, you know, he's involved, he's the one cleaning, he's the one putting out the towels and the oranges mm. and the dishes. And you do go, it kind of does throw you back to sort of that period of, in time. But it's a, like from, I, I think anyone who's, A, likes a good film, it's really short and really short, it's not hard to follow, um, you know, it's not got any dramatic curves. If you doze off for five minutes, you're not going to have missed anything, really. No. Um, no. And as we said, it's wonderfully shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I echo the thoughts that, you know, it's, yeah, it's got to be recommended to people. But I'd also say if you get a chance to read the book, give it a go. It does. Obviously, the fictionalised character of Brian, yeah. Brian Clough. But it's well worth, it. and it shows um, it shows a man who is obsessed. So it's it's a it's a very interesting uh, read. Yeah. You just what have I, to take it. With I was going to say what I would say is if you're going to read The Damned United, make sure you read uh, Provided You Don't Kiss Me by Duncan Hamilton afterwards. So that's a bit more focused on his time as a forest manager. Mm. Um, it's a Duncan Hamilton one, but. It's a really good one in terms of giving you that extra insight into Clough and, you know, he, the son who, you know, he, you know, his flaws became probably more apparent, you know, in the 90s. And I think that was one of the things that people got upset about with the film, actually, the book as well. But actually sort of talking about sort of different side to him. So, you know, sometimes how he would treat Peter Taylor like absolute shit and he'd, you know, he'd shout at him, swear and kick him out and then sort of bring him back. But, you know, yeah. I'm sure he said afterwards, yeah, but he was mine. And he was like, I won't have anyone else say a bad word about him sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, you get that sort of different side to him, I think. So I so definitely recommend, cool. you know, when we end up doing Fancast Book Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the scores on this film then. My overall score was 21 out of 25. Stu, I believe yours was 21 as well. Yeah, 21 as well. Excellent. Uh, Rich, I've got you down as 21. Yeah, 21. I'm going I'm to stick with my guns. I, I, I can't okay. put it in. Got to be anxious, but no, I'm sticking with my guns. Yeah. And and Matt was letting the team down with a 20. Apologies. Oh. Yeah, just the uh, just just because of the source material being so not I wouldn't say bastardised isn't isn't right, but it being um, yes, you've got to sensationalise for a film, but some of the things were done so fictionalized it just took a little bit of it away but it, it's you know it's by no means am i saying it's a bad film at all it's by far the best of any of that we've done um and i just thought it was excellent there's there's one scene i just want to highlight before we wrap up that for me made that made the entire film it's when he's talking to um the, holding the first team training for the first time uh and I'll, i'm just going to read out some of the script here it was just amazing so all right, gentlemen, gather around, please. I might as well tell you now, you, may, you lot may all be internationals and you may have won all the domestic honours there are to win under Don Revy, 
But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all of your caps and all of your pots and pans into the biggest fucking dustbin you can find because you've never won them, all of them fairly. You've done it all by bloody cheating. It was just amazing. I just loved it. Like the brass balls on the man to go into <laughs> the greatest team in the country and try and put his stamp down. Just It was just incredible. The way that they did that scene, that's the scene I think. If you ask me to talk about anything in the Damned United from a scene, it'll be that point of view. Brilliant. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I wish you'd have been able to do that in a Hartlepoolian accent, though. I did want to do it. I did want to say, <laughs> you can put all your medals and all of your pots. <laughs> no, it's awful. Is he Welsh? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So that gives us a percentage of 83, comfortably surpassing Mike Bassett, which had 67%. Goals on 66, when Saturday comes 54, and Mean Machine was on 36%. That's gonna get <laughs> that's getting relegated. There's just no question about it. Uh, so to end it off, let's just quickly throw out a film recommendation. I'm going to go for a film called A Simple Favour. It's available on Netflix. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Sort of a weird murder mystery film. Really good, interesting. If you liked uh, Gone Baby Gone, you'll probably like this. Uh, Matt, trying to give us a recommendation. Um, from for, right, So, shameless plug here, but on Cage Fighting, your new <laughs> favourite film podcast... Um, I talked about The Crow in our top five uh, film, uh, comic book films last episode. And um, a number of people who listened to it had said to me that I hadn't seen The Crow, which I thought, thought was about like, unbelievable. It was a film of the generation, especially for Grebos like me. Um, so I, I put The Crow out there to see, if not anything, the, influ- the influence on Sting in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see where they, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about stealing somebody's ideas and bastard uh, and complete plagiarism, um, look at that book, The Crow, purely to um, come back to me so we can have a beer over it and, uh, and discuss it in length. Great choice, Rich. Give us a recommendation. So, I mean, I I, I could be sort of I, I guess really sincere and say something like um, I was going to say Captain America: Civil War for Chadwick Boseman's performance in that, mm-hmm. um, where you know his first. Black Panther sort of outing. But in terms of a film I kind of watched quite recently, and I've not been watching a bizarrely a whole lot of films recently. It was only sort of when you mentioned um Anna Kendrick actually. And I, I really liked a simple favourite apart from about 30 seconds before the end when one of the characters said something and mm. it really annoyed me and it almost ruined the film for me. Um <laughs> but one film I really enjoyed um, with Anna Kendrick in um, was Mr. Wright. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but uh, she basically ends up... Uh, yeah, a girl falls for the perfect guy who happens to have a very fatal flaw. He's a hitman on the run uh, from the crime cartels who employ him. It yeah. is wonderfully fun. She's great in it. Sam Rockwell's in it. Tim Roth's in it. Um very very fun couple of hours it doesn't take itself too seriously yeah um so yeah i go, I go that that is a good film i love sam rockwell he's awesome in everything he does so yeah good choice and Stu, do you want to uh, tell us what we should be watching why why is that look on your face like i'm going to do something <laughs> really bad there's a couple that there's one i haven't mentioned earlier that's that does contain the uh the song of a generation in Jai Jai Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> I 
obviously uh, Eurovision on Netflix, watch it every week. Um, but no, it, while, while this is fresh, go and watch Tenet in cinemas now. It's a Christopher Nolan masterpiece. Don't, no spoilers, because saying anything, what, what it's even about is a spoiler. Um, just go and watch it. It's exceptional. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, if you've made it this far into the podcast, I'm guessing you're a fan of films. So please join myself, Stu and Matt over on our film podcast, which is Cage Fighting, where we answer the big questions in film. Get us on Twitter at Cage Fighting Pod. If you've got any football films at all that you want us to watch in the future, just find the Wolves Fancast on Twitter. I'm sure you know where we are and how to find us. Give us a follow while you're there, obviously. If you could drop us a review and a five-star rating as well, that would really help on the iTunes algorithms. Keep an eye on social media because obviously we've got the start of the season looming and our pre-season pod will be out soon. Don't forget to check the archives. Obviously, we've got stories from the pack from Hoops. The first episode of that is very good and I thoroughly recommend you listen to that (laughs) one. (laughs) Uh, The media series is in there, Alternative Hall of Fame. Obviously, the previous episodes of the film cast. Also, you can just check out our revamped website. It, it looks great. I'm really impressed with the uh, the work that they've done. So for this week, it's goodbye from Rich. Goodbye, everyone. On the way, then. I, I just wondered that. <laughs> <laughs> it's goodbye from Stu. Please, Jeff, sit to you. Please, Jeff, sign some players. <laughs> it's goodbye from Matt. Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me and remember be excellent to each other <laughs>